have you heard about Anchor? It's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me fill you in on a few things. Like first and foremost, it's free. And there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Then Anchor is going to distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on multiple platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and so many more. Even better, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And it's so easy, even somebody like me can do it. Now download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. And I know you hear me. It's time to get spooky with Tales from the Hunt. From the heart of Music City in Nashville, Tennessee. Straight out of the Flynn Hendricks Enterprise Studios, we bring you our hosts, just Jeff and Flynn Hendricks for Tales from the Haunt. <laughs> Are you needing some decals made? Maybe some vinyl or monograms? Then you need to go check out my wife's Etsy shop at Decals by Kins. That's K-Y-N-S. Go over to Etsy.com slash shop slash Decals by Kins and you can check that in the show notes as well and see what she's done for other people and see what she can do for you. And I'm speaking from experience here. All of my water bottles, my protein bottles, they all have something that she's printed and put on there and those things last. So if you need something like that for a gift, for your family, for your kids, or even for your yourself go check out what she can do for you and as a special treat for my listeners if you use the promo code flynn that's f-l-y-n-n she's even going to get you 10 percent off your order now you can't beat that so go check it out and see what she can do for you and i know you hear me welcome back everyone to another spooky episode of tales from the haunt in studio today we have your host the engineering master The sweetest man behind the mic. He works his engineering wizardry. He may be as sweet as a jelly donut, so maybe we'll call him a Jeffy Donut. Or do we call him Jefferson Starship? The man of a thousand costumes and a thousand names and possibly a thousand and one one one-liners. Ladies and gentlemen, your first host is just Jeff. Hi, everybody. He refuses to acknowledge me in studio because he doesn't know where his other host is. However, I will bring him in now. He is not only a champion podcaster, but he is the prince of podcasting. He is the emperor of entertainment, or so he says. He is also... Well, let's see, what else is he? Um, Something about voice acting, something about improv, something about something or another, you know... He's just a little bitter, hairy man. It's that voice actor guy, you know, the one-man enterprise. Even though it's a two-man power thing here, I don't know. Let's bring in Flynn Hendricks. Jeff, who the hell was that? I'm not sure, but I'm a little creeped out. I thought you knew him, so I thought he just came in with you. Um, Anyway, welcome everybody to another spooky episode of Tales from the Haunt. And we are back today with another awesome guest. And before we get into that, guys, we've got some good haunts keeping we got to take care of first. Um, Jeff, would you like to take care of the uh, the haunts keeping, or would you like me to do that? I think I'm going to let you handle it. You're better with a broom and a mop than I am. I'm skilled in the custodial arts, Jeff. But anyway, <laughs> um, well, maybe a janitor if you want to be rude about it. But what we got to get into first, guys, is if this is your first episode here, we got to thank you all for tuning in. You picked a great one to start with. This is our first episode of season two. How crazy is that? Uh, but yeah, first episode of season two, and we got a banger of a guest on here for you today. But after you listen to today's episode, go find us on your preferred podcasting platform, get subscribed, go back in the archives and listen to all of the great guests we had in season one. And then while you're at it, go find my other podcast, I Know You Hear Me, and go subscribe to that one too. Go jump back into the over a year and a half worth of material I have in the archives there, which is insane to say. But yeah, we got a lot of people that you might have heard on this show in the archives over there. And then... 
Once you've listened to both podcasts, if you think we've earned it, leave us a five-star and a written review because it helps us out more than you know. And on top of that, you have got to get connected with us on social media so that you know what's going on in our world. We may have a live podcast coming to a town near you. We may be at a convention near you. So would you really want to miss that? I don't think you would. I wouldn't. Jeff, would you? Absolutely not. Yeah, I'll make Jeff come body slam you in his French maid outfit, and I've seen him do it, so... I will have my feather duster. Yeah, you've been warned. And then, guys, if you want to support this show as well, go check out our merch. I've got information about that in the show notes for you. You can buy from us directly. We've got Flynn merch. We've got Tales from the Haunt merch. We've got I Know You Hear Me merch. We can ship it to you directly, or you can check out my Pro Wrestling Tees site, also in the links below, and then everything you purchase helps support this podcast, and a portion of every sale also helps the Nashville Humane Society. So it's a win-win all around. Then when you get your merch, here's the real important part. Take a picture, tag us in it, and then we'll give you a shout-out on social media and on the podcast, and we'll make you one of the cool kids. That's not like a good deal, Jeff? I like being a cool kid. Hey, uh creepy guy in the background over there does that sound like a good deal oh that sounds like a great deal i think i'll buy five all right check the links in the show notes and get the hell out i don't like you anyway and he gave me the middle finger but he's gone um anyway jeff don't bring friends over anymore that was rude well i don't know anyway anyway what's (laughs) rude is we're making our guest wait to come on the show here so this is a huge huge bucket list get for us and of course we had to have this guy start off season two if you want to talk about his tenure in the haunt world let's use some wrestling terminology here for a little bit he started off as uh as one of the boys as you would say and then he moved to the corporate aspect of things and I became acquainted with this guy through my work at Nashville Nightmare. You've heard his name come up several times about how supportive of a person he actually is, which, my God, this guy has made the trip to come out and watch me embarrass myself at wrestling shows, along with Jeff. But on top of that, like, I have not found one person that can say a bad word about this guy. He has been awesome to work with. He's been awesome to joke around with. He was one of the first people to buy some of our merch. So again, cheap plug, check that out. He is just... Somebody that I am fortunate enough to call a friend at this point, and I think Jeff would feel the same way as well. It's our absolute spooky-ass pleasure to have on the show tonight, Jamie Lee. Jamie, how are you? I'm good, guys. How are y'all? Oh, we're good. We are good. Uh, We are humbled by your presence. Whatever. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I I can't really say too much. I mean, you've seen me dumped in a trash can at this point. You've seen... (laughs) The cops almost called on me. I don't know what else. I don't really know where we go from here or how you tolerate me at this point, but here we are. Yeah, good times, good times. Indeed. And I'm still waiting for the uh, for your daughter to end up snatching me in a bear hug or something and just making me tap out, but... Nah, her, her big thing is a, um, a splatle. Ah. You would tap out pretty quick. You're a wimp, so... <laughs> I I still have a belt. It's over my shoulder right now. How dare you, sir? How dare you? A belt that you stole. Possession is nine-tenths of the law. But anyway, we aren't here to talk about wrestling. We aren't here to talk about my belt endeavors or the daughter of Jamie Lee potentially kicking my ass. I would pay for that ticket, by the way. Well, let's make some money off of it because if there's money involved, I'll let it happen. But anyway, (laughs) we're here to talk about Jamie and his endeavors and the haunt world and talk about his story. So... Jamie, if you will, take us back to the beginning and just tell us about like where your love of all things spooky came from and what led you to getting involved in this crazy world of scare acting. Uh, probably it all started with, you know, like any other kid who grew up during the 80s, staying up way too late to watch Elvira. Oh. And I yep. remember being probably like six, seven years old and me and my dad would stay up every weekend say we're gonna stay up all night just watch horror movies and my love for horror just grew out of that beautiful and it, was it like was there ever any trepidation from your parents about introducing you to you know just the scary side of things that young in life because i mean like i know me that would have given me nightmares that young <clears throat> my dad was more hesitant later on my mom was all for it she would probably um 
the old magazine Monsters of Hollywood, oh. no, Monsters of Filmland. She'd buy that, and show them to me, and she would get me subscriptions to Fangoria and all that kind of stuff. Nice, man. I, that is not the way I was expecting that to go because I was half expecting it to be Dad that would do all that for you. Yep. Man. <laughs> <laughs> so, as you're growing up, as you're seeing all this stuff, you know, you mentioned Elvira. Everybody. If you don't know who that is by now, you've probably been living under a rock for the last 30 years or so, but, you know, obviously that's something that sticks out. Was there one movie, one show, or series that you saw that just jumped out to you and roped you in automatically? Yeah, actually, there's two of them. The first one that really scared me when I was young was The Town of Dreaded Sundown. Oh, that one, they, when he came out of that closet that was right behind there in their living room or whatever it was, we had a closet just like that in ours. And I was like, oh, that God. man's going to come out with a pillowcase. <laughs> and oh, then man. the one that really got me wanting to watch anything I could find that was horror was The Dark Knight of the Scarecrow. I don't think I've I don't think I've heard of that one. Like, what is uh, what's the premise of that one? And forgive me if I should know this one and I don't. <laughs> no, oh. it was a made for TV CBS movie of the weekend type thing oh but it was a middleweight special needs man who gets thought that he had killed somebody and so the local town goes and kills him they find him hiding inside of a scarecrow costume they kill him so he comes back oh my god that just sounds creepy and unpleasant at the same time oh man so as you as you see things like that and you start, you know, like the love keeps developing for it. Was there ever a point as you started getting older where it kind of, you know, like as you get into your teenage years, things kind of, the things that interested you as a child fade away. And then you, you know, like start playing sports, start getting interested in girls or whatever it may be. Was that kind of how your story went or did like the love of haunting and all things scary and Halloween just stay with you through your uh, Everything scary stayed with me. High school, I was all into like Alice Cooper and all nice. that kind of stuff. So, I like it. I like it. So, oh, go ahead, Jeff. You're still into Alice Cooper. Just want to throw that out there. Oh yeah. <laughs> what gave it away, Jeff? The concert that he went to, I think last year. I was supposed to go last year, but yeah. I've seen Alice every tour, but that one he's come through Nashville since '86. Whoo, man, that is one hell of a streak. Speaking of spooky, that I mean that's better than an Undertaker <laughs> WrestleMania streak. Good lord! <laughs> but as as the love of all things spooky continues, I know that you know, like you played football in high school because um, you were familiar with Salina and everything, which bane of my existence. But you know, whatever. But you know, it's like as you're playing sports. Was there ever any interest or did you have the want to start working at a haunted house while you were in high school or was that something that came after the fact? I, I started working in a haunted house when I was in ninth grade. Wow. How did that and go? It was great. Um, the first one was just kind of like a, a local haunt that was put on for a couple of nights. Mm-hmm. Um, my 10th grade year, so this would have been 88. God, I'm dating myself. <laughs> was the Lebanon Road JC's Haunted House because back then you a lot of local haunts were the JC's and stuff. And I worked every night they were open but Fridays. And then my junior and senior year I did um out at Long Hunter State Park. They used to, you know, the trail that goes around it. Mm-hmm. That used to be the two miles of terror. Oh. And I went I would go out there and volunteer and do all that. But of course, these were all volunteer haunts. Nobody got paid. We were, we were lucky if we got a cola at the end of the night. And then probably in '91, yeah, '91, I went to work for the Hunter Smorgasbord. The last year it was open, and that would have been the first year of like our slaughterhouse was around, the Hunted Castle was around, and that was the first year of um, Horror High. Okay, okay, and man, I think. Uh... I've heard some interesting things about Horror High, but we'll come back to that on another, you know, another episode. But, you know, as you're getting involved in all this stuff, 
are your parents still on board with that? Because I know, like you said, your mom was cool with it when you were younger. Your dad was kind of hesitant. But what's it like when you actually start getting involved in the scare acting world for them? Are they supportive? Are they trying to talk you out of it? My mom still loved it. Unfortunately, at this point, my dad had developed into a horrible alcoholic. Oh. So there was a lot of fights and all that kind of stuff. But so haunting was always kind of my, yeah, I get to get out of the house for a while. Yeah, absolutely. And get to go take all this aggression out and all this. But um, yeah, mom was always supportive. And then right after I graduated in 91, they split up. Mm. And that's when I started doing it a lot more. Oh, I, was out of, I was out of school and was able to basically spend any waking hour I had that year up at the Honda Smorgasbord because we didn't start building it till, good gosh, maybe the end of July. Oh, wow. So we were all just up there living, basically. It's like an old commune. I bet. They're like, what all What all goes into building an attraction like that, especially if you're starting, you know, like barely maybe two and a half months at most away from the start of the season? What all goes into that? <laughs> um. The guy who owned it back then was Jay Hauser, and he basically kind of mapped out what he wanted. You know, it's nowhere near as detailed as they are now. Back then, you had what they called museum-style haunts, mm -hmm. where you had the, the, the customers would walk down to basically just one path, and there were individualized scenes that were kind of blocked off. Right, right. There's no way for you to get near the customers, no way for them to get near you. It was, you know, that was that was the last year I did a haunt like that. So it was, wasn't hard at all. You basically just built like a room and then threw some props in it and covered it with blood or painted it all black. Hmm. Now, in that time frame, too, because I know like today there are, you know, copyright issues and legalities that you have to deal with if you want to use certain characters. But back then, was it a thing to use characters out of movies uh, in these attractions or did anybody even think twice about it? Oh, yeah. We all, every haunt I went to back then and everyone I worked in all had movie characters and all that in it you never had any kind of legality issues that you would think of back then but we were all kind of small thank the smorgasbord we thought we had a great season and might have got close to 7500 people wow yeah still i mean that's still a sizable number even by today's standards so that's pretty good in my book <laughs> but um I guess I'm also basing that off wrestling crowds, too, because Lord knows there ain't no local shows around here that do that, so I'll, I consider that a win. But um, I do want to go back to one thing that uh, completely fell out of my mind until we started talking again, but you actually told me something this season, or this past season um, that, you know, like getting into your senior year of high school, I think it was, when you were in the haunt, you would do homework in the haunt between like guests walking in. How did you manage to do that? <laughs> that was while I was in college. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, My apologies. Yeah, it was, it, it's not advisable. I got very sick from trying to study, but that was my next question. Light. Good God. And at, at that point I used to, you know, was in an old high school. So we still had the furniture from the old high school. So we mm -hmm. had the honest God science lab tables and, I would jump up on that and then jump off. And by that point from trying to read, I was so dizzy. I jumped on it and just face planted. Oh God. Scared the crap out of everybody, but <laughs> scared the crap out of you too. Right. Pretty much. Oh man, Jeff, I'm, I feel like I'm hogging this show tonight, man. Take over some, ask some questions. I want to learn more about Jamie Lee and I want you to ask. Um, so he just discussed studying psychology what was your psychology on hiring Flynn? Just curious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're not going to discuss that one. Aww, <laughs> thank you. But no, um, you're do you're doing a good job driving over there. I just had to get my <laughs> my cheap blow into you. So, so uh, you, you just keep on going. All righty. So, man, let's just as as the years progress and you keep doing all these haunts here. I mean, like. Was there ever a point where, you know, like the passion maybe started to dwindle a little bit or did the time off, you know, like in between the seasons give you a chance to keep that battery recharged and just come back to the next season with, you know, more energy and more love for what you were doing? 
I went straight through until 2000, I believe. Wow. And that's when Caitlin was born. Mm-hmm. And so I took time off then. And by that point, I was teaching. So I took probably about eight years off. Okay. Because, you know, I was teaching and so forth. And then we had Ethan with all his medical conditions. And then I had to quit teaching and I was sitting at the house. And I was like, I'm bored. I caught myself going, oh, I got to remember to set the DVR to tape the view. And it's when I was like, oh, hell no, something's wrong. Yeah. I got to get out of this house. <laughs> and that's when I saw that Brad was opening up um, National Nightmare. And I went out there and have been there since day one. Absolutely. Man, it's crazy that it, it doesn't feel like it's been that long since that place opened. <laughs> but I mean, it's like, I remember I was so excited when that place opened because it's like right in my backyard. It's like, I had yeah. no idea there was anything like this here. And then it's like, oh, all these years later, guess what? You're working here now. But going like going back to before Caitlin was born, even when you when you get married and you're starting a family and, you know, you have that outside job, especially teaching. And that's that's a job where you don't get the appreciation you deserve. You work more hours than probably what's on the job description, if there even is one. There's just so much that doesn't get appreciated with that. How do you manage, you know, before you take that time off, how do you manage all that and work a haunt season? I only taught one year while I was haunting. That was 2000. Yeah, that was the 2000 season. And it was horrible. Oh, I, I was bet. so exhausted. And then the whole month of September and October, it was like you would go to school and you would sit over here and have your lesson plans, but they were trash because you were just wiped out. Mm -hmm. But when I first got married, when we, you know, that was in 97, Bev has always loved horror stuff. So she was really cool with it. Um, so she never was the, never an issue with it until probably when I went back to nightmare, there's, you know, there's some days that she's like, I wish she could be here tonight. Yeah. That kind of stuff. But she also understands it goes with what I do. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, having a partner like that, that not only loves it, but understands it, it, it definitely makes that a lot better and that or a lot better to navigate and manage, because I think that's something that's come up with quite a few guests, especially with, yeah, you know, like it is. making time with your spouse throughout haunt season and everything else that goes on. But good Lord, I can't even imagine trying to do that and teach at the same time. That just, Oh, that sounds like legal torture. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh man. So what was like this may be a dumb question, but in my mind it makes sense. As you're teaching, um, and you've got all this experience at the haunt, did anything you ever did at the haunt make it easy to rule uh like rein in unruly children if they ever got out of hand in class? I honestly never had a problem with unruly kids because I taught elementary. Right. So I was usually one of the few male teachers there and I was already, you know, I've got the tattoos and all that. I was already the bigger, I wasn't as big as I am now, but I was still six, one about two sixty. So never really had a problem. <laughs> I, I'd be surprised if you did. I would be very, very surprised if you did. That, that kind of disappoints me though. Cause I was hoping you would go, you was, you know, around Christmas time and somebody was being bad and you'd go, Krampus is going to get you. Actually, I was just picturing him jumping up on his desk and face planning, but <laughs> you know. Anyway, I digress. Um, so as you as you get started with Nightmare, what is it like for you? Um, just like seeing the progression of that attraction over all these years, and how much it's grown, and how much of a cult following that it's got now. What was that like for you? Like just kind of being there from the beginning to seeing the evolution now. Oh man, it is amazing to see what what Nightmare has become. It's just absolutely that first year. Um, I think we all kind of knew that this was something special. Mm -hmm. That first year, there was maybe thirty five actors, and you could just feel the chemistry or something. There was something about that place that was yeah. just magical. And each year, you know, it's just. Well, the first two years, it stayed about the same size. And then year three, they did, uh, they tried Dark Descent. And they saw that we could put another haunt in there. 
So year four, we brought back Horror High and I think Fairy, Fairy Tale Hell. Nice. And then about five or six, five or six is when we did Industrial Undead. And ever since then, it just keeps growing. And I'm, I'm trying to remember all the years for these as well, because I know I came to all of them. I just can't put my finger on what year <laughs> each of them happened. But I mean, you know, I remember when it was just like the one haunt at the bottom, then there became a special attraction up where Horror High is now. And yeah. then it just kept growing from there. And it just, it blows my mind how much it's changed and what doesn't even feel like it's been that long of a period of time either. Yeah, I think it's what... This will be year 12 or year 13. I think so, which, man, that's crazy. Golly. Dude, that <laughs> makes me feel old, and I'm not, I don't, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, time has no meaning anymore. We've discussed that. But as, as you see it start progressing and you start taking on more responsibilities yourself, did you find it hard to transition out of the acting side of things to become more of, uh, like I said earlier with the wrestling analogy, you know, you were one of the boys and then you became part of the office. Did that, was that a hard transition for you or did it make it easier to communicate? Not really. I was I'd kind of been wanting, I was getting older, body was wearing out. Mm -hmm. So it was a, a nice thing when that happened. Absolutely. And using your wrestling analogy, back then there really wasn't a big split between one of the boys and, and being corporate and so forth. And I honestly still don't think there really is there because we try to yeah. make, make everybody feel like they're included and make everybody feel like they're part of the team and so forth. And I mean, you were, you were always not to pull the curtain back too far, but <clears throat> you were always right back there in the actor's lounge with us. I mean, if anybody needed anything, you were right there available and it's just, I think that breaks down a lot of the stereotypical like hesitations that people would have about talking to somebody that may be a superior in the job or whatever. Because, I mean, I can't think of a time that I ever saw you in a bad mood and you were always, you know, like joking around, having fun with people. But you also made sure everybody was getting to where they needed to be and getting the job done and making sure new people didn't feel overwhelmed, too. So, I mean, you you wore the hats and you balanced everything so perfectly, but it's like. It felt like you were just a part of the of the locker room, so I mean it. It seemed like a perfect fit in my mind, but that's just me. Yeah, you know, it's. I've always enjoyed that. Um, this part of it now that I do is more of my. Kind of my teaching part, mm -hmm. where I'm able to sit in there and, and be with everybody and kind of, I don't want to say guide or any of that, but, kind of be that voice of reason when stuff gets heated up and so forth. It's, yeah, of course. Like a father figure almost. Yeah, let's not go that far. <laughs> <laughs> so when it comes down to it, too, because, um, you know, you were the one that called and made the job offer for me. What is something that sticks out to you when you're looking at new applicants or people that are interested in coming into the haunted attraction or into the scare acting world? Like, what is a quality that you look for or you think that makes a successful scare actor? Our best scare actors are the ones who aren't scared to try different things the ones who want to get in there oh, i want to do this scene i want to try this type of scene i want to do this kind of scene so that they learn absolutely you know all the different types so come that night i have several call outs oh well john over here he's wanted to go he's done this scene before let's put him in there yep those are the people who usually wind up being very successful in this the ones who are only want to play this one type role usually we'll struggle if we have to move them. Makes sense. And it's, that's not necessarily a nightmare. That's going like all the way back to when I helped do this at Horror High yeah. or Madison Haunted Mansion. It was it's the same type personality. You've got to be outgoing. And I think, um, I mean, truth be told, I'm very introverted myself, but I think it's just a matter of refusing to stay in your comfort zone more than anything else. And I mean, that... That translates not even just in the haunt world, but to the outside world as a whole, because if you fall into a comfort zone, it's near impossible to get out of, and you limit yourself to probably 10 other things you may be capable of doing just because you're afraid to try. And I mean, we all learn through trying and failure, and that's just, uh, you know, personally, I wanted to go wherever you guys needed me so that I could experience the full thing, because as an actor, 
I, I hate to use this terminology, but I'm a gratification whore. I want people to see me. I want <clears throat> I want to know how to do everything, and I want to say that I have it on my resume. So that was a that was a big thing for me, and you guys kept me on my toes all season. So thank you for that. But you're more than welcome. <laughs> but um, what uh. Since Jeff had to ask about what it was like or what your thought process was extending the offer to me, this guy's coming up this season. Um, what was it like when I finally got Seven to apply at the haunt? What was that like for you guys? Because, my God, I can't even, I, I, I don't even, I just got to know what y'all were thinking. When he broke the chair. And I missed that. I hate that I missed that. <laughs> I hope you took yeah, that out of his first like, check. I was like, yeah, it'll work. He's going to have to work his chair off anyways. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, in, in all seriousness, too, like you guys did something that I wasn't really expecting, especially like with these new actor auditions when somebody new comes in. You have it, you know, like you run us through different exercises and just basically to get us to break the ice, get us out of our eggshell and just have fun. What was it like for you coming up with those exercises and experiences to, you know, like help people find the create the creative outlet that they may not be expressing or know how to tap into. In all honesty, most of that stuff was what I would do as, as beginning the first day of every school year. Oh really? Okay. Yeah. It was a lot of the icebreakers that we would do either as a, a whole grade level or individually in our classroom. So we nice. just kind of tweaked them a little bit to work there. The animal races we would do on the blacktop at the school mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff. So I, I have to ask, what is the craziest or the wildest or even weirdest animal race that you saw uh, with new scare actors? It was a couple seasons ago. Um, we had two people show up. And one was a squirrel. And I cannot remember what the other one was, but the person, the girl who was in the squirrel park, hopped around and everything, all over everything. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm trying to think. There was one. Um, oh, what was the one that happened in my in my training class? I think somebody was a worm. And they had to go. It was a worm or a snake or something. And yeah. I remember that. They just slithered across the floor. Oh, I was like, how are your knees not bruised? Because they had to go. And this was a pretty sizable room, too. You know, it's like you had to go all the way across. And I'm just like, ah, you didn't think that one through, did you? Like, <laughs> My knees. I'm old. I can't do it. <laughs> Jeff, uh, any questions about your hiring experiences or anything? Because I know he hired you, too. So let's talk about that. Jeff's would have been completely different. Uh, yeah, it is definitely different because, I mean, COVID. Yes, that's what I was wanting to get yeah. into. It was, I mean, the fact that I basically got an email and a phone call saying, hey, come on Zoom at this time on this day. <laughs> and then he was like, okay, so tell me a little bit about yourself. After I, you know, went through a 10 or 15 minute spill of me, he was like, I think you'll be a good fit. I'm going to offer you a job. You can't really audition because, well, we're on Zoom. So um, when can you start? <laughs> We've got a training class next weekend. <laughs> and, I mean, that's really what it that's what it amounted down to. Yeah. We couldn't have a bunch of people up and so forth because, you know, trying to keep everyone safe and making mm -hmm. sure that we can mm -hmm. still get in there and play that season. So all my interviews were done through Zoom. And – in a situation like that, because again, like the dreaded C word and that season in 2020 has come up multiple times on the show. But what was that like for you? Um, not from the acting standpoint, but, you know, like from a behind the scenes standpoint, like how did you not get overwhelmed in such an uncertain situation where all these different protocols were in place? And it seems like, you know, like what you're supposed to do daily almost always changed or something new came out like how did you not only not get overwhelmed, but how did you help steer the ship throughout that season? First off, we had a wonderful, great, great management team. Absolutely. And we just all sit over here and said, we're going to try to make this as normal for the actors and the event staff as we possibly can. Mm -hmm. um, you know, granted, y'all had to wear 
the medical mask and then a Halloween mask on top of it. But we just tried to keep morale up. We couldn't all gather up there in the um, actors' lounge and talk, so we tried to do stuff out in the the midway. And it was just a very conscious effort of trying to keep it as normal as we could under the circumstances. Mm-hmm. Man, I, I I can't even imagine because you know. Like, this past season was my first season in a mask, and that was a new experience in and of itself. I can't even imagine trying to wear, you know, like the disposable mask underneath and then perform with that, too, because it just, it seems like having your head, if anybody's ever had an MRI done before, where they put that little cage over your head before they send you in the tunnel, that just seems so nerve-wracking. I couldn't even imagine doing that. You know, we thought that our actors were going to be more no, we ain't doing this. Or we yeah. would, I, we'd have a few who refused. We didn't have a one. That's as, so as cool much, As much struggle and all that as we went through that season, I, a lot of things during that brought a, the core group a lot closer together. Absolutely. And mm-hmm. I think that's been a common theme that's come up across these episodes as well. And it just, you could tell that the bond and the family the family dynamic stayed and not only stayed, but got stronger after that happened. Because once you get through that and you come back the next season, not only is the want to be there from the crowd itself, but the entire, uh, I'm trying to get, I'm getting tongue tied here, but the entire range of actors that we have on staff there, everybody wanted to be there. Everyone wanted to feel like, yeah, everybody wanted to feel like they were getting back to a sense of normalcy and just have fun. And you know, like every, not every night is going to go perfect. There feels like there's some off nights here and there, but the overall theme of the season was just fun, and you could feel like it was contagious amongst everybody. Mm-hmm. Probably not the right word choice during a pandemic, but you know, yeah. everybody had fun though, is what it came down to. And you just you could tell when they came in too, like they were worn out because they were too busy having fun for the last five, six, however many hours we were out, depending on how many people we had buying tickets. But I mean, it was a it was a cool experience. And then hearing what you guys went through the the previous season, going through all those protocols, like it just, it was cool to be on the backside of that and see how, how much more enjoyment people had kind of coming out on the other side of it. Yeah. And yeah, last year was a, this past season was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Yeah, it it was. um, It was a I mean, it was a big difference, especially I think, one of the big things that threw me for a loop was when you come out from the costume room and mm-hmm. actually came to the actor's lounge to be with us. You know, it was like, it, it made it more personal for us. So, I mean, yeah, you, you still picked on us when you was behind the counter, but oh, of course, you know, now we could attack you and go, stop Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> and we could also make fun of local wrestling, make fun of seven, you know, we could just have fun. Or actually, whatever uh, whatever crazy costume I'd get talked into wearing. Thank you, Jeff. I know not of what you are speaking of. Oh, but I think you do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, that, that was one thing, too. Speaking of the costume room, I know when we would walk in and you'd be giving out, you know, like you'd be giving out the marching orders for that night and placing people in their spots. Did you have a, like, thought process for who went where or was it just kind of... I, and again, I don't want to pull too far behind the curtain, so if we can't go into this one, forgive me. But like, did you have a certain reason why you would place an actor in the scene they were in, or was it just this is where you needed somebody, this is who you put there? It honestly depended on the night. Um, <clears throat> at the beginning of the season, I would spend days looking at the cashews, mm-hmm. trying to figure it out. Then by that point, by mid-season i've got a pretty good feel of who can do what right and unfortunately a lot of the new hires who would be hired during that week would go one of those filler spots until we could actually see what they could do but yeah um especially in the beginning of the season when you're still learning everybody it's it's like putting together a jigsaw puzzle you're just hoping you have all the pieces absolutely Mm -hmm. absolutely and then this may be um Maybe an uneducated question, but again, I'll ask and put myself at everyone's mercy. Do you think, had you not had the experience um, as a teacher and the vast background as a scare actor yourself, it would have made it harder for you to get the feel for these different scare actors and 
where their strong suits were and everything? Or do you think that's something that came as a combination of not only teaching young kids, which can be like herding cats, but having your own experiences to boot with it? Like, do you think all that played a part or you would have been able to make that work? I think they worked hand in hand, having the experience, you know, of especially working in them in the eighties and all through the nineties, mm -hmm. totally different environment. We didn't have AC. We didn't have heat. Oh, God. The masks were horrible. The costumes were horrible. And you didn't know what time you were going home. I remember one night, this had to have been 93. This was at Horror High. And the owner's sister running through there, call your parents, call your parents. You're not going home for a while. And they just had the cordless phone. And there she was just running through. Of course, I'd have to call mine. Mom. Then I was in college, 21, 22 years old. But I think we left that night about 3.30. Wow. Yeah, you kind just of, kept it going. Kind of fitting you leave a haunted house around the witching hour, but I mean, <laughs> who, who's to say? But man, that's so fascinating. I, I just, I can't even imagine, like, I think if the adrenaline's going, that would be an easy thing to do at this point, but man, I can't even imagine doing like a, a 5.30 in the evening to 3.30 in the morning type of thing. That just, that blows my mind, but that's so awesome that yeah. the interest and like just the people kept coming that blows my mind but it's so awesome well and it's it's funny you say that and i'm going to give props to our uh our management team and and our uh, event staff and all that for this year but with the record-breaking nights that we had oh yeah this year um if it wouldn't have been for their organization and how they were getting people in the doors and getting people out and all of that we would have been there till three or four o'clock Every night, our event staff, our event staff management, our GMs are all amazing at what they do. They absolutely, they really make sure everything's ready to go, everything's running good, and everybody's moving. Yep, absolutely. Oh man, so um, Jeff, you know we we've covered a lot of ground here with Jamie Lee, but I think there's a couple of uh, very important questions that we haven't asked yet. Um. Would you like to be the one that starts those questions off, or would you like to ask them both? I'll um I'll ask mine. Um, it's not so much important as the one that I asked earlier as why he was thinking when he hired you. But well, we'll you know, never get the answer on that one. Yeah. Some things are better left a mystery. All yeah, right. Yeah. Um. <laughs> insert spooky music here. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, insert the unsolved mysteries theme. We'll pay copyright later. Gosh, that Robert Stack. <laughs> So, um, Jamie, I have always wondered uh, what your answer to this question would be. Um, what type of advice would you give someone that wants to be a scare actor or event staff and just don't know how to do it? What would be the advice that you would give them to take that first step? If it's a haunt our size, go on the website fill out that application. If it's more of a smaller local haunt, go to the front door of it. When you see some cars there and they're working, that's how I started. I knocked on it. Well, that's how I started like at Smorgasbord and all that. Knocked on it and started right then. Just don't be scared to take that step. I like it. Yep, I like that answer. I mean, it's it comes back down to the, um, the whole mindset of why not. Yep. <clears throat> Getting to actually be a haunt actor or event staff and all that is one of the easiest things to do if you just fill out the application. Yep. I don't mean to interrupt, Jeff, but it also comes back to that thing um, the little short guy was talking about, getting out of your comfort zone. The comfort zone will kill you. I'm gone now. <laughs> hey, wait, come back. Me and you are friends again. You called him short. He is short. <laughs> okay anyway enough at my expense I mean that's a great answer right there because like you said it ties back to what so many people have said why not mm -hmm. just yeah. get out of that comfort zone have some fun and if it turns out it's not for you try the event staff or if event staff you know like if you want to start there and work your way up do it all just have fun get some new experiences make some new friends simple as that yep. but Actually, I'm really excited to ask this one because now we get a dual-sided perspective on this one. Yeah. Um, because you'll actually be the first person that has worn both hats that we get to ask. What would you say 
was not only your favorite scare that you've done, but also Gosh. what was the best scare that you may have seen, you know, like as your time in management, what was, what would those be for you? Mm. The best one, <clears throat> as far as seeing someone else do it was probably a few years ago, we had the, uh, the doll room scene. Mm hmm. And I still remember the girl. She would go crazy in that scene. And I didn't even want to walk through it because it would freak me out. <laughs> she was all over that room. She would be on the bed. She would be playing with the toys. And it was just like, this is a little creepy. Uh, as far as me, um, probably wasn't my best scare. But when I came back, you know, sorry. My neighbors are honking their horns. They don't want you to tell this story, Jamie. I guess Clearly not. what it is. It's sabotage. This is what happens when I do this outside. <laughs> <laughs> um, now they're just messing third with Third time us. today that horn is going off. There it goes. Okay. Um, when I came back into it, you know, Brad was like, hey, you're going to kind of want you to do something a little funny. And I did this whole sausage bit because we had anatomically correct male laying on a table mannequin and people would come by there's a spot spotlight shining right on a certain area and i would call people sausage eaters and you like looking at the sausage do you and so i busted out of my curtain and i'm sitting over here and i'm doing that whole redneck bit that i did and i hear this kid's voice goes oh my god it's mr lee <laughs> and I just went right back in the curtain. <laughs> oh, 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 my God. Oh, oh, that is beautiful. And it had been one of my third graders who was now in middle school. And I was like, oh, dear Lord. <laughs> <laughs> and, man, I started out that story thinking of that old Dusty Rhodes promo with the cold-blooded sausage maker. <laughs> Find them little piggies wandering through the woods. I looked at my kids and said, I am the cold-blooded sausage maker. And I also just peaked the volume. And in my mind, you're gonna, that's what you yelled to your third grade student. But we know we know I have a twisted mind as it is. So don't ruin the vision for me. <laughs> you know, I think I think the bad thing about that is, if I'm not mistaken, that, that um, mannequin is still there, but it is covered now. It is hidden. Yeah. It is hidden somewhere. Oh, but now when we walk by it and we, uh, we'll know the story behind it. We'll know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> but man, these have been some fun answers. This has just been a fun interview all the way around. And I mean, it's been laughs and smiling the entire time. Uh, some weird guy kept popping in and out. Blame Jeff on that. But we've got to get to our main event segment now. And we're going to call it in the ring because Jamie Lee is now going to get to turn around and ask us two questions each. And we don't know the answers. Wait, well, of course we don't know the answers. We haven't given them yet. We don't know what the questions are going to be, and we don't even know who he's going to ask first. So we're at the boss man's mercy here. So, Jamie, when you are ready, please fire away. I'm scared. So uh, this goes to both of you. Okay. What got y'all both interested in horror stuff, and why – of all the haunts out there, did you choose us? Hmm. Hmm. So, um, horror stuff for me really didn't come around until I was probably 1920, something like that. Um, and it just started with the, with the, you know, working at the haunt and things like that. And now it's just kind of evolved from there. So you were a late spooker is what you're saying. Yes. Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> and I heard that answer completely wrong. I thought you said it didn't come around until 1920. I'm like, good God, how old are you? <laughs> well, you know. Uh, you, you know. <laughs> this isn't my real voice. I actually talk like this right here. There's a, there's a life uh, support machine behind him, too, that you can't see and our listeners can't see. Just enjoy the visual. Think Star Wars Episode Nine. You get the picture. Oh, shoot. But... <laughs> And um, the reason why I chose Nashville Nightmare, honestly, and, and I'm not saying this in any, any horrible way, it was the first haunt that I drove by in Nashville when I moved down here. With that being said, though, I had heard of Nashville Nightmare. 
So when I seen the hearse sitting out at the road and I seen the big billboard right next to the uh, pool hall, I was like, I've heard of this place. I'm going to apply. And that's, that's where it was, you know, two days later you contacted me and it was all in history from there. (laughs) Oh man. And then I guess for me, I think it all started when, when Opryland back in the day would have um, all that stuff out for Halloween season. I remember the witch. I worked that. that. Oh, you did? Then I probably yeah. saw you, and you probably know the woman who this was, but she was the witch that would sit on the roof of her house, and she would shake a knife at people. That woman scared the bejesus out of me. But, you know, it was always fun because uh, I would go with my godparents because we lived so close to the park. And just watching my godfather interact with her was always, like, hilarious. But as I grew up, I got into movies like The Exorcism of Emily Rose, which still scares the shit out of me. Um, Sinister, The Strangers, Insidious, all that fun stuff. And it was just a, it was a really weird adrenaline rush. And as I got out of wrestling for the umpteenth time in 2018, and I was still looking for ways to chase that performance high and everything... I started voice acting. I started thinking, somebody at work actually asked me, hey, have you ever thought about doing voices for haunted houses? And I was like, no, I have not. Thank you, kind sir. I'm going to try and do that. So I found the application on the website, not knowing that I already knew people that work there. And, you know, I I submit the resume or the application. Um, I forget that I did it. Because I think like a week and a half, two weeks later, I miss a call from you. I get the voicemail. I call you back. And then I'm like, oh, well, okay then. And, you know, we we talked about it. I was just wanting to come in and do voices and let that be it. But then it's like, oh, no. There's this wide world you can get into here and you can have some fun. And it's like, okay, I'm taking these improv classes already. Let's have some fun and let's just see where it goes and... Lo and behold, Q line and all that fun stuff, and now here we are getting ready for 2022, and we all know where that led up. So, yay! <laughs> I, I still want to, I, uh, I still want to hear your voice in a haunt, though. I mean, we we have the the one that still shockingly uh, surprises me is uh, one of my favorite ones is when you're walking in and you hear. Do you want some meatloaf? Oh my gosh. <laughs> hey, you can't talk bad about that guy. Can't talk bad about that guy. I'm just impressed that that was him because I thought that was a woman. Uh-huh. Anyway. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I guess my next question for you, always interested in, like I've got, as it gets closer to Halloween or it gets closer to haunt season, there's certain movies I always watch and certain music I'll kind of start listening to more of. Mm-hmm. Is there anything y'all do that's similar to that? Um, not really. I'm with, without sounding too cliche, I'm kind of in haunt mode year round. You know, if if I could get a job full time in a haunt that, that paid enough to support my family, you know, I would do it. But, um, it, it's just one of those, I'm, I'm kind of in that mindset year round, kind of always thinking of what can I do to make myself better? Uh, 2023, I'm, I'm going to be there. So, <laughs> wait, oh man, it is 2023. For some yeah. reason, I thought it was going to be 2022 was the next one, but that's already happened. Yeah, Sorry. Yep. Yep. And, and this one's happening in, uh, and cheap plug for Transworld. This one's happening in February instead of March next year. So that's going to be kind of weird to be in St. Louis on February when it's cold. Yep. Uh, <laughs> um, as for me, it's really just binge watching whatever horror movies come on TV, and most of them are. You know, if you watch AMC, it's almost always a Halloween marathon. Those never get old for me, so it's always watching those. Or if the kids are asleep or they're not around where I'm not going to traumatize and scar them for life, I'll turn on one of the Insidious movies or even Sinister, the first one, more so than the second one, or The Strangers. But, I mean, it's really, it's probably just the Halloween marathon and... What else? Uh, oh, yeah, watching... um. The Simpsons and the South Park Halloween specials from back in the day when I was a kid. Because, I mean, those were always so good. And if I could walk around with a Barbara Streisand spooky vision frame for my life, I'd be set. So, You know, I'm probably going to get disowned when I say this. But one reason why I'm not a huge horror movie fan 
is because it's like, no, don't go in there. They're going to get you. You're watching and the wrong movies. Go in there. So, you know. Well, gee, Jeff, that same <laughs> psychology applies to every wrestling match you watch. That's, that's oh, wait, true. I've said too much. <laughs> <laughs> Edit that out. <laughs> but, I mean, it's so funny because it's like, I, I get where you're coming from on that. But for me, it's like, okay, I know what's going to happen. But how's it going to happen? Yeah. You know, it's like that old horror movie that uh, now Mayor of Knox County Kane did where he finds a girl and he shoves a cell phone down her throat. Who expected that? <laughs> I mean, it's just, again, I just like to see how it's going to happen. I know what's going to happen, but, yeah, that's it. I th- th- out of all the horror movies I've ever seen, my favorite ones are the ones where you think you know what's going to happen, and then they don't go that way. Yeah. But I haven't found many of those. Like Sinister, so. if you haven't ne- seen it. I've never seen it. Go watch that. Go I, traumatize yourself. I will say... Um, <laughs> Go watch Sinister. Yes. And and Jamie Lee can probably tell me what movie this is. And I think it was called The Crusher that I watched when I was a kid. And it absolutely terrified the crap out of me. This guy was like strong enough that he could put his fingers through brick walls and climb the wall to like the third floor and then go kill somebody. It was terrifying. Sounds I watched like it when X-Files I was like episode. six. That's going to say... <laughs> My God. Yeah, I've never seen that movie. It's like, you sure it wasn't Spider-Man. Yeah. <laughs> or the X-Files. I mean, they got a lot of weird stuff on there, too. But, damn. See, we covered so much ground here, and this flew by, but this has been an awesome interview, and I think it's been a great way to start off Season 2. Jeff, would you agree? Absolutely. Hey, weird guy out in the hall, would you agree? Yes, I think Season 2 is off to a great start. Thank you. You're still short. Uh huh. Jeff, go punch your friend. This guy's growing on me more and more. Got it. Great. Now we're gonna have a third man in the booth here. We we only got two mics right now, Jeff. Where's he gonna go? On your lap. <laughs> I'm a tiny wee man, Jeff. You've got the bigger leg. Anyway, okay. We're way off track here. No I apologize. comment, and I plead the fifth. <laughs> I apologize, guys. But in all seriousness. Jamie, thank you for coming on here tonight. This has been an awesome interview, and I know it's one that we've both been looking forward to. Uh, some real-life work issues came up, and we had to push back a little bit, so thank you for being flexible on that, too. But in all honesty, this has been one that, like I said, we've been excited to have you on, and again, I'm just fortunate that you think so much of us to even come on here and do this, so thank you. I, I loved it. Not a problem. Thank you, and also thank you for the support in the wrestling world, even though I embarrass myself. <clears throat> <laughs> hey my in-laws love you so yes they're the only ones just, in that town that do i'm just glad he got to see you um get shoved in a trash can and ridden like you're a one-trick pony from walmart uh by zach hartnell here's that, the thing that was, Dude, that i get cool. random random text from my brother-in-law and father-in-law so what's flynn doing like, I don't know. Is he going to be back up here soon? I'll start a Patreon. Tell him I'll be there at the fair. But I'll start a Patreon <laughs> channel, and they can just have a webcam on me the entire time. Here's Flynn being angry in real life. Here's, Here's Flynn cuddling his title. Here's Flynn cussing out just Jeff. Here's Flynn designing the shirt telling just Jeff to leave. No, but <laughs> anyway, I, I appreciate all the support from you guys, and I think I speak for both of us. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to get so involved in the scare acting world and just all you do to keep that haunt going behind the scenes too, because Mm -hmm. I mean, it takes a village. We have a great management team, as you've already said, but you know, just the work you guys do, the talent you guys bring in everything that goes into it, not only thank you, but thank them as well. And I I can't wait to see what all we get to do in 2022 for this new season. Going to be exciting. Yes, sir. And yeah, if you're listening and you live in the Nashville area, or if you're thinking about, you know, joining a haunt in your area, go to that haunt's website. Go apply online, or like Jamie said, if it's a smaller haunt, go up to the door, ask how you get a job there, ask how you get involved, and just take the chance, have the experience, have some fun. And if you have a local haunt going on in your area and you want to go out and support, get your friends together, go have some fun. And just enjoy it and spread the word so that everybody has fun. The actors have fun. The visitors have fun. Everybody wins. Everybody gets a spooky time. The world is a better place. Jeff, 
outside of telling these fine folks that they need to go back in the archives if they haven't already and listen to our previous episodes and listen to previous episodes of I Know You Hear Me, get connected with us on social media because we're on all podcasting and social media platforms and get some merch. Is there anything else that our guests need to do? Uh, yeah, absolutely. You forgot one huge major thing. What would that be? Because I'm drawing a blank. Check out our sponsors. And um, also stay spooky. That was two things, but you're exactly right, my good man. And I know you hear me when I say, for myself, for just Jeff, for Jamie Lee, we thank you for tuning in tonight, and we'll be back in two weeks with another spooky guest. Thank you for listening this week, and we hope you'll tune in next time for another spooktacular episode. <laughs> Tales from the Haunt has been a Flynn Hendricks production. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>